Chapter 11 of Life of Luther. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Fascio. Life of Luther by Gustav A. Just. Chapter 11. Luther the Mighty Warrior. 1. Luther before Cogitan and Augsburg. Pope Leo X at first treated the affair with contempt, thinking that the quarrel would soon die out. He once said, Brother Martin has a fine head, and the whole dispute is nothing else than an envious quarrel of the monks. At another time, he said, A drunken German has written these theses. When he sobers up, he will think differently of the matter. But when he noticed that his authority was endangered, because many pious souls became attached to the true doctrine, he summoned Luther to appear within sixty days in Rome, and give an account of his heresy. If Luther had obeyed, he would hardly have escaped death or the dungeon, for everyone knew that Rome was like the lion's cave into which many prince of feet entered, but from which none returned. But under the merciful guidance of God-elector Frederick the Wise, so arranged matters that Luther's case was tried in Germany. For this purpose, the Pope sent Cardinal Cajetan to Augsburg, and in spite of all warnings, Luther also boldly repaired to that city. In Weimar, a monk said to him, O oh, my dear doctor, I fear that you will not be able to maintain your case before them, and they will burn you at the stake. Luther answered, They may do it with nettles, but fire is too hot. When Luther finally arrived in Augsburg, weary and worn, he would have called upon the cardinal immediately. But to this his friends were opposed. They endeavored to obtain for him, first of all, safe conduct from the emperor but three days passed before he received it. In the meantime, the servants of the cardinal came and said, The cardinal offers you every favor. What do you fear? He was a very kind father. But another whispered in his ear, Don't believe it. He never keeps his promise. The third day an emissary by the name of Urban came to Luther and asked him why he did not come to the cardinal who was waiting for him so graciously. Luther told him that he was following the advice of upright men who were all of the opinion that he should not go there without the imperial safe conduct. Evidently vexed at this reply, Urban asked, Do you think that the elector will go to war on your account? Luther answered, I do not ask that at all. Urban, Where do you intend to stay then? Luther, Beneath the heavens. Urban, what would you do if you had the Pope and the Cardinals in your power? Luther, I would show them every mark of respect. When the safe conduct finally arrived, Luther at once repaired to the Cardinal, who abruptly demanded that he recant his errors. But Luther declared, I cannot recant. I cannot depart from the Scriptures. After lengthy negotiations, Cajetan sprang up in anger and said, Go, and let me not see you again, unless you recant. To Luther's friends, the cardinal said, I do not wish to dispute with that beast any more, for he has deep eyes and strange ideas in his head. Luther, however, wrote to Wittenberg, quote, The cardinal is a poor theologian or Christian, and as apt at divinity as an ass is at music. Unquote. On the 31st of October, Luther returned safely to Wittenberg. 2. Luther, before Miltitz. Rome would now have preferred to excommunicate Luther, but for good reasons it did not wish to offend the elector, 
who was determined not to allow his professor to be condemned without proper trial and refutation. The Pope, therefore, sent his chamberlain, Karl von Miltitz, to the elector to present him a consecrated golden rose. By this means the elector was to be made willing to assist Miltitz in his undertaking. But when the latter arrived in Germany, he noticed at once that he would have to deal kindly with Luther if he wished to retain the good will of the people. At the meeting which occurred 1519 in Altenburg, Miltitz, therefore, treated Luther with the greatest consideration. Dear Martin, I thought you were an old doctor who sat behind the stove full of crotchety notions. But I see that you are a young and vigorous man. Besides, you have a large following, for on my journey I made inquiries to discover what the people thought of you, and I noticed so much that where there is one on the Pope's side, there are three of yours against the Pope. If I had an army of twenty-five thousand men, I would not undertake to carry you out of Germany. With tears, he begged Luther to help in restoring peace. Luther consented to drop the controversy if his opponents would do the same. After supping together, they parted on the best of terms, Miltitz even embracing and kissing Luther. Later on, Luther saw through the deceit of the Roman, and called his kiss a Judas kiss, and his tears crocodile tears. For it was only his fear of Luther's following that prevented him from executing his original plan of carrying Luther to Rome in chains. 3. Luther and Dr. Eck in Leipzig Dr. Eck, a violent opponent of Luther, became involved in a dispute with Dr. Karlstadt on several questions of Christian doctrine into which Luther was also drawn. In 1519 these three men gathered at Leipzig for a public disputation. At first, Eck disputed with Karlstadt on, quote, free will, unquote, and then with Luther on the supremacy of the Pope. Luther proved that the Church indeed needed a supreme head, but that Christ is this head, and not the Pope, and that the powers which the Pope arrogates to himself conflicts with the Scriptures, and the history of the first three centuries. As Eck could not maintain his position, he accused Luther of Hussite heresy. When Luther replied, my dear doctor, not all of Huss's teachings are heretical. Eck flew into a passion, and Duke George cried out, The plague take it! Then they debated the question of purgatory, of indulgences, of penances, and the allied doctrines. On the 16th of June they closed the debate, and Luther returned joyfully to Wittenberg. Eck, who had flattered himself that he would triumph over Luther, had to leave in disgrace. 4. The Bull of Excommunication Soon hereafter, Eck journeyed to Rome and persuaded the Pope to threaten Luther with excommunication. And indeed, in 1520 the papal bull appeared, which began, quote, Arise, O Lord, judge thy cause, for a boar has broken into thy vineyard, a wild beast is destroying it, unquote. Luther's doctrine was condemned, and his books were to be burned, that his memory might perish among Christians. He himself was commanded to recant within sixty days, on pain of excommunication as a heretic. As a dried limb is cut from the trunk of the tree, they threatened to cut Luther from the body of Christ. Triumphantly, Dr. Eck carried the bull about in Germany. In Erfurt, the students tore it to pieces and threw it into the water, saying, it is a bulla bubble, so let it swim among the water. 
Luther wrote a pamphlet, quote, against the bull of the Antichrist, unquote, and had it distributed, broadcast among the people. In it, he said, quote, If the Pope does not retract and condemn this bull and punish Dr. Eck besides, then no one is to doubt that the Pope is God's enemy, Christ's persecutor, Christendom's destroyer, and the true Antichrist. Unquote. He wrote to a friend, quote, I am much more courageous now since I know that the Pope has become manifest as the Antichrist and the chair of Satan. Unquote. And now, when Luther even learned that in accordance with this bull, his writings had been burned at Louvain, Cologne, and also in Mayence, his purpose was fixed. On the 10th of December, he had the following announcement published on the blackboard in Wittenberg. Quote, Let him who is filled with zeal for evangelical truth appear at nine o'clock before the Church of the Holy Cross without the walls of the city. There, the ungodly books of the papal statutes will be burned because the enemies of the gospel have dared to burn the evangelical books of Dr. Martin Luther. Unquote. When the students read this notice, they gathered in crowds in the streets and marched out through the Elster Gate, followed by many citizens. At nine o'clock, Luther appeared in company with many professors and scholars, who were carrying books and pamphlets. A pile of faggots was erected. Luther, with his own hand, laid upon it the papal books, and one of the masters set fire to the pile. When the flames leaped up, Luther's firm hand threw in the papal bull, and he cried, Since thou hast offended the Holy One of God, may everlasting fire consume thee. On the next day, he said to his audience, If with your whole heart you do not renounce the kingdom of the Pope, you cannot be saved. In a pamphlet, he pointed out the reasons which induced him to take this step, and at the same time he called attention to the impious statutes contained in the Popish jurisprudence. Some of these read, quote, The Pope and his associates are not bound to obey God's commandments. Even if the Pope were so wicked as to lead innumerable men to hell, yet no one would have the right to reprove him. Unquote. On the 3rd of January, 1521, another bull appeared in which the Pope excommunicated Luther and his adherents, whom he called, quote, Lutherans, unquote, and issued the interdict against every place where they resided. End of chapter 11.